It is a privilege and a joy for us to be able to meet face to face, to worship the Lord, to read his life-giving word, and to encourage and strengthen one another. So I'm very thankful for everyone who's here, everyone who's joining us uh, through whatever means, and the Lord is worthy of our worship. Before we turn into that life-giving word, I just want to give an opportunity, if there are any greetings, any announcements for the church, now would be the time. All right, so those are greetings from Sister Millie's uh, sister, Renee. We will remember uh, her. She was with us for some time uh, a couple uh, years ago. And also her husband, Edward, that's actually um, the father of uh, Mark Varga's wife, Connie. Uh, so they're sending greetings from Australia to the church. Any other greetings? Uh, Sister Christine extends greetings to the church and also my parents. Okay. A few announcements that uh, we have. Um, so for the uh, focus for our missionary support, uh, this, we're currently... Uh, praying for the church in Nepomuceno in Brazil. Uh, they're having their challenges too with COVID. The kids can't leave the property, are isolated from their friends, and some of them are getting frustrated and running away, so keep them in your prayer. Uh, our church is also limited here to worshiping 10 at a time. Um, we have church, as we see this morning at 10.30, and also this afternoon, see Brother Mila. If you'd like to join, there's also a youth Bible study at 6 p.m. And uh, to do that, uh, please um, sign up on the uh, Signal group and uh, contact uh, Angela or Josiah if you're not uh, on that group. This, this past CFG, uh, we had uh, Louis Green uh, from North Phoenix share his experience all the way from from Europe to here and also from unbelief and a rational uh, doubting mindset to full trust in God. And uh, we have the audio, of, or at least as far as I was able, when I was finally able to get it started recording, is up on our website uh, in our, on our sermon page. And uh, we'll see if we can get a video as well eventually. This coming Wednesday, we are looking for uh, forward to we're almost at the end of our Bible study on Revelations. This is our second last one. This is the kind of the culmination of the battle uh, of the Lord Jesus as he's victorious over um, the, the forces of the evil and the, the, the time of the millennium. And we have also some interesting implications for ourselves in, in that as we study it in the final white throne judgment. Uh, if but we know that this is really not enough for our fellowship and, 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 and needs. We're feeling isolated. So if you'd like to get together in small groups, I know there's some efforts to do that. Uh, you can see Brother Eric and Sister Kezia Denzinger who are coordinating that. 
Uh, the church is available. We can kind of coordinate times to come together in the church to use this church for uh, small group Bible studies, as well as you can also meet on MS Teams. Um, if you're not able to, we also we have four different team uh, meetings that we can use. So again, see Brother Eric and Sister Kezia uh, if you'd like to coordinate an online Bible study as well. There's uh, been, a, we've had two recent deaths that we would like to support the family in. One is uh, Janice Schlarp. So there's a card as well as there's a Padlet online in the announcements. In the back, there's a card for her that we would like to sign and send to her soon so that it's still in time to, to be of a comfort. And also, um, Sister Agnes uh, Oram's uh, sister, Marta, uh, has also passed away, and there's a card for her as well. We ask you to take the time to sign that, or, in, or online, there's a padlet, again, in the announcements. We're really thankful how God answered our prayers. It was, I believe, two years ago when Sister Marta was diagnosed with very serious cancer, and God has given her the time. She was able to come to know the Lord, to have peace, and even be baptized be a witness to her family that are now seeking the Lord. So we praise God for that, his answered prayer. Um, there are, as we said, a number who are uh, not doing so well and that we've been praying for. We want to thank those who are praying. Um, we've been praying for Sister Teresa Scala, and I understand that uh, she may be coming home soon. She's not really much better. So we ask you to continue to pray for her. Uh, not only her physical condition, but her spiritual condition as well. Um, found out this morning, Sister Elvira's uh, brother in Russia, his name's Marat, he's uh, had to go to the hospital for the third time for a heart uh, uh, attack, and so ask a special prayer for him. Uh, he's kind of the one holding everything together there, including Elvira's father, and so a lot of uh, load on him, so please pray for him, both physical and spiritual healing. Uh, this has been a, a pretty tough week. Uh, we did ask for your prayers for my mother, Sigrid Reinhardt, uh, who had eye surgery this past Monday. Unfortunately, that didn't, did not go. Well, uh, there were complications. Uh, my, well, my mother said it was worse than the open heart surgery or any other surgery she's ever been through, and she's been through a couple. Uh, the pain in her eye, uh, high, pr high pressure causing um, uh, lots of complications and nausea, but thankfully she is recovering. She's uh, at home pretty pretty tired, um, but uh, appreciate your, your prayers on her behalf. Uh, also, Bethany's mother, Ruth, was also unexpectedly in the hospital with a blockage in her small intestine, and um, it was very difficult with all these COVID rules that you cannot visit someone who is old and alone and, and, and confused in a hospital. It was a very tough time, but we're thankful she, she also was able to get home by the end of the week, and we pray that uh, there's no recurrence. We still don't know the underlying causes. Uh, we've also been praying for Ruben Gava. Uh, he was in a coma due to COVID. He's got uh, complications that he cannot, uh, he's got already compromised uh, breathing. Um, I think they're slowly getting him out of that, that coma and he's still not able to breathe on his own. He's still not a respirator, but his son was able to go yesterday for the first time to see him. But it's, it's uh, slow and it's complicated and still much prayers appreciated.
But we do thank we do thank God that He is a God who answers prayer. And in many ways, it's good that we, as a as a body, come together in prayer. We've seen answer to prayer. You know, as we've seen Brother Dennis again come through after being triple diagnosed with pneumonia, COVID, and uh, malaria all at the same time, and now kidney stones. So uh, God does answer prayer, and let's let's not uh, be um, let's not be lax in in seeking and Him and finding that power. Uh, applied to our own lives and those that we love. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. We do indeed. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a God who does answer prayer. We're thankful that you are a God who hears us, that you are a God who has made a way for us to, despite our sinfulness, and that it separate us from you. You've broken down that wall of partition. You've ripped the veil of the temple in two. And your son has made a way that we can not only reach your ear, but even your heart. And to be called your children. Something we could, could never lay claim to. But you are so gracious. Father, this morning we want to come as children as those in need of guidance, instruction, encouragement, admonishment, strengthening. Father, we pray that you would speak to us personally. You're not limited by technology. You're not limited by distance. You're not limited, but we often limit you through our distractedness. We limit you through our hardness of heart we limit you through our, our um, idolatry of other things instead of depending directly on you. So this morning we, we want to set all those things aside that we can hear and that the, the ground of our heart would be well prepared, that the stones would be removed, the thorns would be uprooted, and that we could hear what you have to say to us. Speak to us through your living word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn together to the, the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. As you can probably tell from the introduction, it's been a, a rather difficult week for me um, with both mothers in the hospital and, and lots of stresses. And uh, I happen to be reading through the book of Romans. There is so much here for us and the Romans 8 almost seems to be kind of a pinnacle that uh, Paul is working uh, building up to uh, he's addressing a church that he was didn't have the opportunity to see personally and so he's building up to this glorious pinnacle and uh, I wish we had the time we won't have the time this morning the the first part of Romans is the solution to the big problem the problem we all have of being unable to uh, be good enough on our own, to unable to meet the law's standards um, and how we have this law inside of us that holds us captive and we are feel wretched and defeated. And the answer is then here in this first half through the Holy Spirit and through being willing to die, to be led by the Spirit, die to 
our sin and uh, as we die with him the same spirit that raised jesus up from the dead can raise us up too it's a glorious declaration and we come then to to verse 15 and and we're going to start there for our meditation this morning verse 15 for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption where we buy we cry abba or or daddy father the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of god and if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together for i reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of god for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly but by reason of him god who hath subjected the same in hope because the creature itself ha- also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth What is the mind of the Spirit? Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's pause there. And and there's a lot to digest here. And and let's see if we, we can understand that before we move on. The spirit of God, or the spirit of this world, the spirit of ego, the spirit that wants to uh, be enough to be your own God, your own leader, but yet can't, can't even control himself can't even deny yourself can't even stop yourself from reacting in anger or or being slave to whatever comfort you can receive in this body the freedom that comes from de- dethroning that human tyrant 
in becoming a child of God, adopted, to have the intimacy, to have that comfort. And, and there's this glorious pinnacle here, the Spirit. You're not just saved from sin. You're not just washed clean from the filth and the horror of all you have done. You're not just saved from a deserved eternity in separation from God and torment. You're not just snatched from those flames. God went beyond and calls you his child. Gives you the privilege of saying Abba. Gives you the access not just to hear you as, as some, some monarch hears the peasant, but to hear you as a loving father hears his child. How can we measure, how can we comprehend the privilege of, of, of coming to God, the almighty creator, the holy, the unapproachable in light, and to say, Daddy. And then he says, and you understand that there's more, there's more. You will now inherit. You will inherit all the glory. You will be right up there with Jesus Christ and be a joint heir with him. He's, we read together here in this verse 17. Who can measure the glory of heaven? The eye has not seen, nor ear here, neither has entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for him. You can't even imagine the glory. What's the next verse? What's the next word? Read it. Verse 17. Joint heirs with Christ if. Sometimes we like to skip over that word if. If so be what? That we work hard? That we're good? If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together with him. God has a process. You are already his child. When you choose to to die to yourself and depose the evil tyrant of your flesh. And when you accept the Lord Jesus, not only as Savior, but as Lord, because you are led by the Spirit, therefore you are the Son of God, as a verse before which we started reading, verse 14 tells us plainly. You are... The process... You may already be his child, but God's not finished with you. Did you know that Jesus needed to suffer? Jesus, the perfect Son of God, in eternity with God, from eternity past, in perfect intimacy with the Father. And he learned something on this planet. He learned obedience through suffering. Do we think we can skip that lesson? Because we're so much further advanced. 
There's a process. The process by which you and I were saved involved suffering. The process by which you will become like the Son and be able to inherit the riches of unimaginable glory involves suffering. And that's not a bad thing. Suffering is not enjoyable in the present. But it's the only way. If Jesus needed to suffer to learn how to depend and submit his will that did not want to die on that cross, did not want to be isolated and ashamed and abandoned and betrayed and, and, and to hang there carrying the horror of my sin, but he learned obedience. He learned to submit what he felt like doing to what he trusted God to know was right. And in so doing, he conquered. He conquered Satan. He conquered temptation. He was able to reverse what Adam lost and generated this curse that we're reading about that that not only was he did he die but all of creation was subject to corruption it says to vanity it means it's, it's meaningless it's 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 transient it 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 doesn't you can't build on this stuff this stuff is going to crumble on you and yet how many people are given their lives to build their empires on this dust And God, he says here, for a reason, when that first Adam failed that test that Jesus won, and the, God, in hope, he cursed the ground for Adam's sake. You see, see, God's not, he's not out to, 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 to vindictively, I'm, I'm mad at you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you pay. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. That's not God. God, we read in here, that it was the creature, verse 20 here, the creature, so this is not just talking about you and I, but all of his creation, which means the 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 geology, from the rocks to the plants to the animal kingdom, this whole created creation was subject to this corruption, this transientness, this, this, this tendency to, to uh, entropy by reason of God who, who did this in hope. You see, God had a hope. His hope was that you and I would realize that we can't, to, that all this stuff is, just disappoints us. Our own bodies, our own brains, our own strength, it's, it's all decaying. And, and you get to my age and it gets more, more, more real. 
You know, you, you see, you know, the, the, the people going before you, they, they lose their dignity. They can't even control basic bodily functions. They can't even remember your name. And, and, and you know you're almost there because you're already losing it. And yet, you know, everything you build, right? What's the point? Ecclesiastes, the richest man on the planet, had tremendous wisdom, tremendous unimaginable wealth and he's saying what's the point I don't know, I'm gonna leave it who knows the person comes after me maybe they're gonna be a fool and they're gonna squander it which kind of is typical right it's riches and back again right but but God have you ever noticed that sometimes it's people who haven't suffered that are insufferable. The people who haven't suffered are insufferable. What do I mean by that? The, the, the people who don't go through their own disappointments, don't recognize their own limits, they think they're invincible, they think they're untouchable, they think that uh, they will never get sick or, 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 or never suffer financial reversal or, or, or uh, and they have no compassion. They're so full of themselves, they think, and that makes them insufferable because they have not learned their limits. They have not learned humility. They have not learned empathy. They've not learned compassion. They've not learned the character of Christ. And so God, in hope, allowed this creation to be fallen. Your bodies to be weak. For you to have limits because He hopes that you will turn back to Him. Adam, you thought you would become a god. You thought you'd know it all. You thought your moment of bliss would be worth all this. Come to yourself. Humble yourself. Turn back to God, and God will give you glory. Glory that's not corrupted. In the meantime, creation is groaning. We have the earthquakes and the tsunamis and the pestilences and we have human tragedy and genocide and and hatred and division and and we and, and creation is groaning god is groaning and if you're in tune with god if you have the first fruits of the spirit inside you that that you are in tune with how God feels, with how God sees things, then you're groaning. We're not, well, too bad for you. I know I'm going to heaven. See you later. That's not the spirit of Christ. It's not the character of Christ. Christ was in heaven. He looked down on the groaning creation. He had no obligation People were making their own choices and reaping the consequences of them. But he 
felt inside of himself, identified, was willing to leave pristine glory, innocency, come and take that on himself. And we also need to identify with hurting. It hurts. To care is to suffer. That's why the Hindu religion and the, and the Buddhist religion says, okay, there's this problem. Stop caring. If you stop caring, you won't suffer. You know, be detached. It's not God. Think. Thankfully, our God is not the Buddhist God of indifference. And he doesn't want you to become indifferent. Because suffering is not the ultimate problem. Suffering is a process, a painful process, a process in which we groan with all of creation that innocently suffers so that we can learn the lesson and that we can learn to shift our trust and our dependence from this vain, futile, transient, corrupt power of mine to the incorruptible, glorious, pure, holy power of God. That's God's hope. And he paid a huge price for that. All of creation for 4,000 years has been paying a huge price for you this morning to have a choice. It's a huge object lesson. And people are, are suffering. We can feel that. God feels it. But he's doing it in hope that you can look from the sufferings of this present time. 2 Corinthians 4 says it's light compared to the eternal weight of glory that waits you. It, it, it's worth it. But we're paying, God's paying, creation is paying this price to call you, to invite you, to get off the sinking ship, Maybe to leave the sinking earth to go into the ship that he's prepared. The ark of salvation. For we are saved by hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. But we hope for what we see not. Then do we with patience wait for it got to believe. You've got to look beyond your pain to the purpose. You've got to look beyond your pain to the purpose. Back in the good old days before COVID, you don't have to be old anymore to say the good old days, I guess. When I went to work and saved myself uh, shower time in the morning because it brutal enough at 5.30 to get to beat traffic and went to the gym. And there was these, this other guy, he was, he was the other early bird. There was, and he was always in there. And he, was, uh, he really liked to, to bike. I guess that's how he kept in shape. 
And uh, so he played this video, um, you know, the, the, one of these biking videos to, you know, you got to keep up with a pace and, and so on. And, you know, they're showing you going through the, the French, um, the Tour de France and, and, you know, but the title of the video was called Sufferfest. And, you know, it's as if you're looking forward to suffering. You know, it's, it's a badge of honor. It's, there's a purpose to that suffering. They know if, a, if an athlete suffers, they know they're going to become stronger. They know they're going to, to, to conquer their, their softness and their, their wanting comfort. They got to give up the comfort in order to have a hard body, in order to have a body that's able to endure, that's able to persevere when you go through that painful ascent in those mountains. And you got to keep going when you don't feel like keep going. And, and that kind of discipline, you don't just get it. You've got to actually spend time developing that. That's how your body works. It's how eternity works too. Suffering that has a purpose is worth it. If you keep your mind on the purpose. And here, again, in this wording, look, Look at the wording. Look what he's saying here. Uh, verse 22, we know that whole creation groaneth and travaileth. This is a King James language word that means it's, it's, it's birth pangs. It's bringing to birth. And it's what I hear the most painful thing is giving uh, birth to a child. And, and there's these pangs of, of, uh, of pain and, and if you've ever been in, in a delivery ward of a hospital, it, it, it sounds like you're, you're in the dungeon of a medieval castle where, where women are crying out in pain. But yet it's a place of joy. Because then you hear the cry of the baby. And you know new life has come into the earth. And so these women have to keep their eye on the price. They have to hang in there because they know this pain is producing life. And so God, through inspiring Paul here to write how this, all of creation is in birth pangs, so that, that the character of Christ could be formed in me and you. And you're not alone in pain. Suffering is transient, it's short, it works in an eternal weight of glory, it's worth it. Suffering as a purpose, it forms the character of Christ in you. Suffering, you don't suffer alone. Jesus is the only one who had to suffer alone so that you never have to. When Jesus hung on the cross and his own father abandoned him, he was truly alone. His human companions, his most faithful ones, the one who said, I'll, I'll die with you, I'll never abandon you, they had all run away the night before. Now God himself leaves him at his point of greatest need. And he is alone, so that you never have to be alone. So he can say as he raises up from the dead and conquers death and raises to heaven, says, I will never leave you. That you will never be alone. I will send you the comforter, the paraclete by your side, and that spirit will be with you. 
And here we read how the Spirit helps your infirmities. When you are saved, you do not become a superhero without weaknesses. If you're a Christian and you have struggles and weaknesses, don't feel like, oh, I, I must not have truly converted. Paul says, I rejoice in my infirmities because they make me rely more on the power of Christ in me. Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. This is again when you get it that you're weak and you trust more in God's strength, that's when the power flows. And here the Spirit knows your infirmities. And you can come to the point where you may not even know how to pray, you may not know what to pray. You may only know how to groan under the weight of your suffering or the suffering of others because sometimes it's harder to watch those suffer that you love and know you're powerless to do anything about it. But you're not. But you're not. You're not powerless because you can pray. And even if you can't pray, the Holy Spirit within you can pray. The Holy Spirit knows what you need, knows what the person you're interceding for truly needs. And He can communicate with the Father because they have that connection. They are one. And you're not alone. And you have access to the greatest power in the universe. No, the greatest power that made the universe. He that searches the hearts knows what's the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Because sometimes the things I pray are not according to the will of God. I'm looking for ways out of suffering. And that's not the will of God. God's will is that Christ's character be formed in me and sometimes the most effective and the only tool he can use is suffering to get through my thick skull. To get through that I cannot and only he can. And here's the verse we all know. In context now. It's not something you can pull out of your back pocket saying, God, make it all work out for me. The context is here. Yeah, God is going to make it all work out for you through suffering. What's the verse say? Maybe the most quoted verse in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things, including and especially including suffering, all things work together. And we know that all things work together for good. Good as defined by God, not me and my short-term limited thinking. We know that all things work together, produce, and, and, and help get us to the point of an ultimate good end for who, for them that, what? For them that love God. See, you don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to be the ultimate clean record. 
You don't have to have some spiritual pedigree that Paul had. Look, I'm Hebrew of the Hebrews, etc., etc. I'm, you know, my father was an elder and I've been in the church for 10 generations. It's not your pedigree. It's not your past. It's not even your track record. Because sometimes you can have all of that and lose yourself. The question is, do you love God? Do you love God? Because when you love God, He's finally able to work and even use the negative things in your life, the things that you feel like, God, this is beyond, I can't. Yeah, of course you can't. When are you going to finally get that, Edmund? You can't. That's why Jesus came and died for you, because you can't. That's why the Holy Spirit is inside of you, because you can't. But do you love me? you love me are you called according to not your purpose to escape suffering and enjoy a pain-free life but according to the purpose of God who are the called according to his purpose and what is his purpose we often stop there oh God's gonna work everything out don't worry be happy what's God's purpose what's his purpose for whom he did foreknow, God knew from before the creation of the world, he had your names in mind. He had your character in mind. He had your story arc in mind. He knew you intimately, better than you know yourself, before creation. And as he knew that you would choose to love God instead of loving things that will only betray you, including your own self. For those he did foreknow who would love him, he did predestinate notice the conditionality of that and it's not like god said any many my i know and i'm gonna pick sally and not sue no no he foreknew who would choose to love who would respond to his call to this purpose and what is his purpose he wants you to be conformed to the image of his son there is one that pleased God perfectly. There's one who had the character, the express character. When we see in, in Hebrews, it says the express image of God. The word in Greek is character. Who had the character that pleased God. And the image wasn't that God had the same hairstyle as Jesus. No, it's that God has the same character of Jesus. He's, that's how Jesus was able to manifest God in this plan by having his character. And it's that image of his son, that character that God is forming in you and I. And he's using suffering to get there. That Jesus, his son, might be the firstborn among many brethren, including you and I. That's God's purpose. So it's not that we know all things work together to give Edmund a happy life. 
No. All things work together so that Edmund, if he chooses to love God and respond to his call, might become like Jesus and might join the glorious crowd of people who are like Jesus, a brother of Jesus, and then I can be a joint heir with Christ, and then I can experience glory, and then I will look at this transient temporary pain and problems and say, hallelujah, blessed hast thou planned my way. Thank you, Lord. I see how all these pain and problems were good for me. I needed that to stop being so pig-headed and, and, and trusting in what I could do and start relying on what you could do, what you have done, what you are doing to become a part of your bigger plan than my little, tiny, self-involved plan. Now let me just finish this chapter because it is amazing. Read it with me. It's glorious. Once you're on his plan, this is where you go. This is the promise. This is the glory. Read it with me. We just finished reading verse 29. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, that's you and I, if we choose to love God, them he also called because he knew you would respond to that call to be uh, his purpose, to become like his son. And those he also justified. We talked about how you're clean now. And those he also glorified. That's what we're waiting for, to become like Jesus. That's the glory. Your character will be like the Son of God, and you'll be experienced glory in heaven. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You, now you're untouchable. Not because of what you can do. Because when the judge and the prosecution are on your side, who can accuse you? He, if he, get this verse, he, God, he that spared not his son, what cost him the most? You think you're groaning when you see your child and your parent and, and the things you love suffering. What do you think God the Father groaned? Why do you think the sun grew dark and the earth quaked when he saw his son hanging on the cross. It cost him, but he was willing to pay it. If he, was, he loves you that much, that he's willing up to give his son, it cost him more than himself hanging on the cross. Will he not with him, with Jesus, freely give us all things? We have God who has no limit to what he will give us. He's already given us the most precious. The thing that costs him most, you think it's, he's going to hold back and say, oh, I don't know, I don't think you're worth, you know, whatever it is that we need? Of course not. We have a limitless access to a limitless resources for everything he needs, not to make Edmund happy, but to make Edmund like Jesus and experience that glory. Who? shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justified. Who can accuse us? We know Satan. We read about it together as a, as a body. Revelations 12, that there's a, an accuser of the brethren who's day and night standing before the throne of God accusing us, but we're untouchable because we're good. No, because God, the judge, he's the same one who justified. Well, what are you saying? I'm the one who declared Edmund to be just. Not because of what Edmund's done, but because of what my son's done. Sorry, your, your, your charges don't stick. Who is he that condemneth? Who's, who's, who's the prosecution? 
the prosecution, the, the, the lawyer for the prosecution, it is Jesus Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who's making intercession for us. The defense counsel and the prosecution are the same. You cannot lose in that court. If so be that you love God, you're called according to His purpose, you, you are now free from all the guilt and all the shame and all the weight. And you have this assurance. And, and let's, let's read together the last few verses here. This is glorious. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? These are all the things you don't have to be afraid of anymore. Because God's love, Christ's love is going to be through you. And even though you may go through tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, you're still victorious. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. We may seem like the off-scouring of the world, as the science harp says. We may seem like the weak and unprotected. And, and does God really care when his people are suffering? No, he is with you in that suffering. And that suffering is only serving to make you more like Jesus. You are becoming more, nay, in all these things. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. We don't conquer by standing up to the government, by establishing our, our own theocracy where, where, no, no, no. We overcome by relying on him, by him making us conquerors in the suffering. Go ahead, Satan, make me suffer. You're only going to make me more like Jesus. You can't touch me where it counts. You can't separate me from the love of God. You can't make me guilty before God. You can't get in between me and my power source. The more pressure you put, the more I lean on Jesus, and you lose, Satan. We are more than conquerors. Everything you lay on me makes me a greater victor. Through him that loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels. There's no supernatural force, nor principalities, nor powers. We know there are demonic forces, high, powerful demonic forces in this world. Angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is victory. You are more than conquerors. You don't have to be afraid of suffering. You're not going to seek it out. Yes, you're going to do what's reasonable. But when suffering comes, and it will, you know you are not alone. It cannot separate you from the love of God. You are you can embrace it knowing that God's perfect will is shaping the character of Jesus in you. And you are more than a conqueror through it all. Praise the Lord. The living word is spoken this morning despite the weakness of the vessel. And we see in the cracked earthen vessel, we see glimpses of glory through the cracks. There is glory. 
to be like Jesus, to share in his glory for eternity. And it's not just then, it's now. It's now that we can share his character. It's now we can share his presence. And it is in suffering that that focus, that awareness is sharpened. We don't have to be afraid anymore. My dear friend, you may think you are building a better life by running from God. You may think you're building a carefree life. You may think you're avoiding suffering by relying on what you can see instead of hoping in what you cannot. But I think all of history, all of science, everything your eyes can see tells you that what you see doesn't last. What you trust in will fail you, ultimately, guaranteed, you will die. Please, please choose to love God and join this victory song, this glorious victory declaration of inseparable, being, nothing being able to separate you from the love of God can be yours. You can have security now. And if there was ever a time people are, need security, need, need the presence of God, need, need to not be alone, it's now. I, I plead with you, open your hearts, love the Lord, respond to his call. He has a glorious future in mind for you. With that, we would conclude this morning's service.